Hey, Rob. What do you think of our funky new football in Berkshire branding? They're great, Tom. Who's made them? They've been created by friend of FIB, Ellis Woods, who runs his own creative agency, Flair Media. He's heavily involved in grassroots football and kindly sponsors this very podcast. That's great. What else do they do? Well, it's funny you should say that, Rob. Ellis offers affordable digital marketing, digital and print branding like logos, banners, flyers and business cards, as well as website content creation and management. Go and have a look at flaremedia.online and tell Ellis we sent you. Hello and welcome to Berkshire Football Stories with Tom Canning and Rob Davis, a podcast that aims to dig deep into the history of the non-league and grassroots game across the county. We'll be working across the county from Wokingham to Woolhampton and Bracknell to Burfield, looking for the stories, the quirky moments and all the best our local game has to offer. I'd like to introduce my co-podder, Rob Davis, who will be charting the various points of interest along the M4 corridor with me. Hello, Rob. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. You went to possibly the best value game of football <laughs> uh, in the country this week, I would suspect. Yeah, I was uh, sort of on a whim. I went over to Kidlington to see Kidlington <laughs> Development play um, Aldermaston uh, for Dave Tussle's first game in charge of Aldermaston. Finished six five for four four pound entry fee. I think you were telling me earlier that's thirty six p a goal. Thirty six p a goal. Yes, yeah. not as not bad at all. Uh, for the life of me, I, I wrote this up earlier in the week, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out who'd scored all the goals. So I I just kind of I think I definitely fudged it a bit. Okay. Uh, so I think it was two. It was two for three of them. That's two right, apiece. Yeah. So, but yeah, you were you were saying to me you got into the turn. You, you were a little bit late getting there. Yeah, very just um, just very so slightly after kick off, and as I I was going through the turnstiles two goals were scored <laughs> one for each side wow so, and it wasn't a slow process going through the turnstiles either so, uh. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's absolutely unbelievable obviously this week has been quite talking of Dave Tuttle there's been quite a few managerial changes this week um, Sam Locke has gone at Bracknell after uh, five months in charge um, and yeah. that was I suppose I think a bit of a surprise to lots yeah. of people uh, he was given a two-month uh, sorry, not a two-month, a two-year contract exactly, yeah. there by the club. So um, I think it, it all it all happened after the defeat at Chertsey Town on Saturday, which I went along to. Okay. Um, I mean, it wasn't a great game, but you could sort of see there there you know there's not been a lot of luck with injuries. Yeah. But on that on top of that as well, there was also a few, well probably almost a month ago now, Mike Hancock left Thames Valley Premier League side Mortimer, mm-hmm. and Woodcut recently. Uh, I, I get the feeling Sam Tucker stepped down rather than was was dismissed, and I and I assume that is to do for for other reasons, reasons that we don't know about. But sure. um, hopefully, all all three clubs, all four clubs. No, Dave, yes, Dave Tuttle's already in yeah. at AFC Alderman. That happened over the weekend, didn't it? It did, yes. Um, so, yeah, so there's plenty of changes going on. I am currently looking at doing a piece based around uh, the longest-serving managers in the county, so okay. uh, the current longest-serving managers, so we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Um, I imagine it's a fight to the death between uh, Alan Devonshire at Maidenhead, Neil Baker and John Underwood at Slough, and Roger Herridge at Binfield, but we'll see yeah. who comes out on you- top. Yeah, maybe the tiebreaker can be Dev's first spell as well. Uh, well, yes, it could well be. It could well be. Um, I thought it might be fun to tell you as well, uh, having already just told you that there is a new brewery opening uh, just next door to where your house is, yeah. um, and you're very excited about it. I thought I'd tell you that we've hit a 1,000 listens. Oh, fantastic. Across uh, all five episodes so far. Um and that we've got five episodes to go of this series, including this one. So five more episodes, and we'll, we'll move on from there, really. Um. 
Talking of moving on, if you'd like to contribute, ask a question, offer a correction, or simply rave about the podcast online, then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at FI Berkshire, at Facebook by searching Football in Berkshire, and of course you can visit the website at www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. It'd also be great if you could give us a little rating and a review on your podcast app to help us get more people listening. We've had a couple of reviews already. Very favourable reviews, Rob. Oh, very good. It helps that we know both of them. <laughs> and they've been very kind to us. So that's good. More of those, please. Thank you very much. Okay, well, let's tell you a little bit about the podcast then. We've had some great guests so far from Pete Browning, Steve Stairs, Mark Ashwell, Neil Richards, Steve Ginman, Neil Baker and John Underwood. And you can go back and listen to those pods at any time. This week we're in conversation with the former Wokingham Times sports editor, Andrew Batt. Let's have a listen. Hello Andrew, how are you? Hi Tom, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad at all. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming over. We obviously, we paid your airfare to come and have this conversation with us. We could have done it by Skype, but we, but we thought, no. Face no, to face, gonna, much better. We're going we're gonna to pay, pay for Andrew to come <laughs> over and sort this out. So you come over from Thailand, you've yes. been over for a, for a couple of weeks. Yeah, about 10 days. Um, I've been living in Bangkok for about 13 years now. So, um, yeah, that's home, but Wokingham is always yeah. home, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so we, we thought, um, we, we've obviously had uh, in, in recent podcasts, uh, we've had Mark Ashwell on talking mm-hmm. about Finch Hampstead Road. And I know, I know Wokingham Town FC is very close to your heart. It's sort of, it's where you started. So we, but we wanted to, thought rather than call it, kind of go through Wokingham Town again so soon, mm. I actually thought it might be interesting because you were also the sports editor of yes. the Wokingham Times newspaper, yeah. uh, you know, an, another long missed uh, institution as well. Um, so I just thought, where, where do we start? How, how did you how did you start out? Uh, how did this sort of thing? How did you end up being sports editor? Because I, I know from talking to you, uh, it's quite an interesting road you took. So where, where did you start? Yeah, well, I've got Wokingham Town really to thank for where I am now because um, back in the late early late eighties nineties, I was basically a supporter and uh, going home and away and the manager at that time Roy Merriweather said why don't you supply some pictures to the Wokingham Times Uh, which I did freelance free being the operative word (laughs) and I um, I can hear all of our football in Berkshire photographers nodding along (laughs) so I I mean it, it is a case of having that portfolio of published pictures with my byline helped me get into the media so um I, I had pictures published by both the Wokingham Times and occasionally the Bracknell News. And then the Bracknell News had a vacancy for a trainee photographer, so that helped a lot. The, the portfolio of published pictures helped in getting me that position at the Bracknell News. Um, and that was a trainee photographer position, as I said. And then um, over the course of about 10 years, I moved to the Wokingham Times, became chief photographer there and then moved on to the writing side and the um, page design side of, of um, the publication. You were, you were telling me briefly about how you kind of ended up doing page planning, because mm. back then page planning, was a lot, there was a lot more to it than, than what there would be these days. Um, or it could be easier. <laughs> um, well, just on the photography side, when I first started, it was literally a chemical darkroom. Um, my first digital camera... Um, my, my, my iPhone now has more uh, processing capability and is actually producing better pictures than my first digital camera, <laughs> which shows you how far we've come. Yeah. Um, in terms of the page planning, it was done on computer. Um, although when I first started, I, did, I wasn't doing this, but it was still the ruler and the marks <laughs> to, the, to the plate makers. Um, and I remember my editor at the Bracknell News, a guy called Adrian Seal, 
he um, every Tuesday coming up to deadline, he would he was frantically putting paper marks and cropping photos with a pencil on the back of the actual <laughs> photo, and that was that was only in the eighties, so it's not that long ago. But um, yeah, when when I when I got involved in page planning, it was all on um, was all on computer, all on a program called Quark Express. Yeah. Which I'm sure you're still using. Oh, I've, uh, no, no, well, we don't. So, so okay. in, yeah, in, um, in the in the paper that, in the media that mm. I work for, we it's all. I think it's all Adobe these days. But yeah. I, I yeah. have personally used Quark Express myself. It's a lovely and, program. Oh, Very simple. It's where I learn my. It's where I learn shortcuts for okay. all the keyboard shortcuts. Yeah, great. <laughs> so yeah, it's um. So when when um, the sports editor at the Wokingham Times retired, who was I, that? That was a guy called Bob Gallimore. He's no longer with us, sadly. Um, he was. He was a very good local cricketer, I think, up towards Henley. Um, but yeah, Bob kind of taught me all of the um, the important things about sports editing, and I also did a little bit of news page planning at that point as well. My 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 editor at that time was a guy called Keith Redbourne, and um, he also encouraged me to when I when I wasn't this with this. I think you'll you'll understand that when you're involved in newspapers and in the media you don't just get pigeonholed into no, one thing you definitely don't <laughs> so i always used to clear clear tuesday afternoon of photo assignments if i could so that i could help out with um with the page planning and the page design so that was that was pretty good um and yeah over the course of time um i moved on to be sports editor at the Wokingham times and yeah that was really good fun really good fun so and so so effectively, you kind of went from supporter to photographer to yep. reporter, yep. and and sort and of standing on on and yes, yeah, sorry, and then mm. editor, and, yeah. and 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 so sort of standing on the sidelines at Finch Hampstead Road. Um, you, you perhaps weren't with the fans anymore. You were you were kind of in in the box or no. or, or just on the side. I always used to use the um, the privilege of working for the newspaper to get uh, free passes for the away matches, and <laughs> but I, I'd, I'd very rarely go into the press box. Yes, Finch Hampstead Road did have a press box. It had about four seats, I think. Okay, and a little wooden desk in in the grandstand. But no, I mean that you you get much more when you're actually out on the terraces. I felt anyway, um, and. Also, quite often, I wasn't just writing, I was taking pictures as well. Yeah. So that would be difficult from a press box. And a, um, a few times, I was actually doing some reports for BBC Radio Berkshire. So yeah. I was actually doing three different things at one match, <laughs> which was good fun. Um, so, yeah, it was it was difficult being a supporter as well as an editor. Um, I probably got told a lot of things that I couldn't print. And that's still the case now, yeah. even in what I'm doing now. You're told things in confidence or as background and you can't attribute them. So, yeah, um, particularly at the time where working and we're losing Finch Hampstead Road, um, it was getting a little bit, um, well, it was certainly going from the back page onto the front page at yeah. that time. And when there was talk of the Wood Cray Manor development, London Road development um, and Embrook, uh, obviously where they are now um, yeah you, you get told things um, sometimes I'd actually get one of the, the news reporters to help me out if there was a council meeting or something like that and often then it would become a news story and I we'd work on it together but um, yeah it was um, for the for the sports reporting sometimes I know because I've seen some of my reports sometimes I was letting my supporter side getting the way um, <laughs> I can remember one match and it, it was after the left Finch Hampstead Road at Wickham 
and the referee had had a particularly bad game and I think I probably said so in the report <laughs> but yeah it was um it was fun days fun days there must have been times as well where you where you sort of wanted to go in hard on a, on the players or a player or, or or a manager or something and you thought actually perhaps I perhaps I shouldn't do that I think uh, that's a good question I don't think I was overly hard or if I was critical I would try and be um, constructive uh, says he who's never played professional yeah. <laughs> semi-professional football um, but no I um, if if for example uh, team was all uh, working was always getting caught offside I would probably say something like that they should be a little bit less um, uh, a little bit less um, focused on on moving forward at every opportunity but no I, I, I think I was I think I was fair most of the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, obviously it, you you kind of you became sports editor and um, you know kind of what Finchampstead Road became your home. kind of home <laughs> and place of work it was <laughs> but you, you also that meant you were also covering other clubs. You, Absolutely. You, were, you suddenly you possibly would have found yourself at uh, probably Bracknell, I would suspect. Yeah. Reading at times? Yeah, um, particularly when I worked for the Chronicle. Um, we had, well, in, in, in between Reading and Bracknell, we had five pr- full-time photographers at that point. Right. We had wow. three based from Reading and myself and my chief photographer in Bracknell. Um when those two dark rooms were merged into one at Reading, um, there were three photographers left, of which I was one. So, and because of my my interest in football, I volunteered often to um, to cover the Reading matches. So, yeah, I um, ended up going to places like Elland Road, Main Road. I didn't go to Wembley, um, but some of the the, the really good old grounds yeah and I was I was down at Elm Park quite often yeah I had some pictures in the program occasionally this was the Jimmy Quinn Mick Gooding time yeah um but yeah I mean more than that yeah um Brighton Town um and not just football as well I mean not just senior um non-league football but the junior football was quite important back then um, used to get anything up to 50 or 60 individual match reports every week. <laughs> wow. Some of them would be 30 words, some of them would be 500 words, but you had to be fair to every club. Um, so that took a lot of time. And because we went to press, at the working times, we went to press on a Tuesday evening. So literally I had the Monday and the Tuesday to edit all of those reports into a fair, balanced yeah. um section of junior football um, and I, I do remember going to one of the Bracknell Boys League matches and giving them a um, five simple tips to write <laughs> your match reports and I, I some of them did take notice I even printed off a little um, booklet for them um, just to kind of make my job easier yeah, and make yeah, their job easier because yeah. it's pointless writing 400 words when when I'm going to use 30 so yeah do you do you think because obviously that you know that, that sort of thing isn't in the papers anymore? Okay. Um, do you, do you think that that's something that's missing, or do you think you know perhaps maybe without wishing to put words in your mouth, social media is perhaps it's still there? Over? Absolutely, it hasn't disappeared. It's still there. It's just on on different websites. Whereas back in my time, uh, you could buy the Wokingham Times or a weekly newspaper on a Wednesday or a Thursday and get fifty match reports. Now you have to go to fifty websites yeah. or you're only going to get what you're actually interested in, which isn't a bad thing. But um, 
No, it's just changed. I wouldn't say it's changed for the worst. I wouldn't say it's necessarily changed for the better, but um, it's it's just evolution, I guess. Because and, and I suppose the difficult thing for for us as a as a website that we run, mm. we we do it voluntarily. Mm. It's it would be junior football especially is something that we'd love to do a bit more on but there are so many rules and regulations about printing scores and players and pictures and all that sort of thing and and but equally there are, as you say there are so many clubs mm. it would be impossible mm. to do it justice it's yeah. I, I, you know in all honesty it's difficult to do justice with what we are in our expanded area trying to cover now mm. and so, so just even just in Wokingham, trying yeah. to cover the the, yeah. the, the smaller the junior it's, clubs in, in Wokingham. And some it? some clubs are more proactive in yes. getting their match reports online. My time online was only just really taking off. We when I well when I started, we didn't have a website. Um, uh, so, and I always remember setting up the first email for people to send in their reports and it was wokingham time sport at hotmail.com don't use it now it's not there i assume but yeah we didn't even have a website back then so um i know now that uh online in, in whatever form online comes first um print is difficult struggling in some places it's the same in thailand um it's the same in asia and in fact in asia it's not even online first it's it's programs like WeChat, right. um, which is very, very big in China. Um, one of my recent employers, they had a WeChat first policy for their content, <laughs> which, I mean, yeah, you, you think back 20 years and uh, it would never have happened. It would have been newspaper first, and uh, which is probably why a lot of newspapers have disappeared. But, it was sort of newspaper first, second and third, wasn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another thing I did at the Wokingham Times was... Um, we, we used to have the big summer six-a-side tournaments and I'd go around and take team groups because that was, that was a good way mm. for get, to get people to buy the newspaper. Yeah. So um, we had a few supplements and, yeah, the sales always go. And also the, the photography sales because digital photography wasn't really that widely adopted. But you mentioned about, um, about social media and um, uh, kids' names and things like that. That was just becoming an issue when I um, when I stopped being a photographer and left the Wokingham Times. Um, schools were being a little bit more, uh, understandably, being a little bit more um, uh, cautious about what photographs were being taken and uh, naming the people in the photographs. And it was, it was fairly rare that a school would say, no, we're not giving names, because as a photographer, you're taught... If you get a nice photo of someone, yeah. try and find out their name. Yeah. Um, just not a pupil at exit yeah. school, <laughs> which, um, yeah. So it wasn't really a big issue back then, but it was starting to be. And obviously now, for understandable reasons, it's um, it's a lot more serious. And I know that there are some photographers that have had had a, had a criminal background check to be allowed yeah. to be um, photographers. There are still photographers out there. But obviously, things have changed a lot. Yeah, it, and it does. It does change. Mm. It does, it, mm. and it, it, it continues to change and evolve mm. as information is more easily obtainable. I, I suppose, really. And um, so, do do you keep up from 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 Thailand? Do you keep up with um, yes. with what's going on over here <laughs> oh, and, yes. and uh, all the different changes and 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 the club? What I suppose, which which of the which club is is sort of impressing you at the moment from afar? Which ones which ones are kind of performing? And I guess um, impressing. Well, I. 
It's difficult because I do keep up with um, what's happening on the local football scene, obviously working in Edinburgh, Bracknell, mostly um, Reading, Wickham, Wickham's where I was born. Um, and um, yeah, it's we occasionally get uh, non-Premier League football uh, on TV, um, but the internet is wonderful because we can watch the uh, BBC Red Button or the BBC yeah. website, FA Cup, preliminary round <laughs> extra extra preliminary round um, and because of the time difference it's good night night yeah. viewing yeah. <laughs> we're six hours behind out there um, sorry six hours ahead my apologies <laughs> I'm jet lagged <laughs> um, but yeah I mean that's the wonders of the internet that, that you can actually see what's happening um, from afar from yeah. 6,000 miles away and so let's just sort of let's a couple of couple of sort of quick fire questions almost from kind of back in your your period of time when you were actually focusing on it. There must have been a standout player. I thought about this. Um, I'm going to say Darren Barnard because yeah. when he was in his late teens, well, even before that, uh, he was progressing through the Wokingham Town junior ranks. Um, and then into the first team, and he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, and obviously, he went on to play for Wales. Yes. Um, and we're still in touch now on Facebook. Um, one of my favourite players is someone that I've actually reconnected with recently um, through Facebook, and that's the goalkeeper Lee Bracey. He was in goal for the big FA Trophy matches uh, back in '88. When working got to the semi-final of the FA Trophy, um, Lee was the goalkeeper. He was on loan from West Ham at that time, um, and he then went on to play for Swansea, Bury, uh, quite a few other um, lower league football uh, professional football clubs. Um, and yeah, we we connected probably about six months ago, and he's now a police officer at Greater Manchester. Oh right. So, yeah, and there's other players like Richard Evans, who was one of the strikers when um, I first started watching Wokingham Town. Um, and he's in Spain, and we've connected. But there's players from all over the world. There's Ian McGrath, who's in New Zealand. Um, but there's, yeah, it's, it's a really good little community that we've built. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so in, in terms of, of matches then, which... Mm. which if you think back to those 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 sort of glory days of of, of Wokingham Town, what, what was the what was the match that really? Um, I, I've got a, I've got a sub part of this question, which we'll come to in a minute. Which is the match that you just think back to and go, yeah, that was that was the best one. For me, it would be um, going back to the FA Trophy one run. It was an away match at Gateshead. Um, I think it's just about as far as you can go in terms of a geographical location from Wokingham to play uh, professional non-league football. And Woking were drawn away. And um, What was was that sort of like head in hands? Like, oh, God, no, how are we going to get no, to Gates? No, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the club put on a coach for the supporters. And um, I've still got the letter that um, Roy Merriweather wrote at that time uh, that he gave to the supporters who got on the coach. This was the thing. Um, the supporters, there were probably about 20 to 30 of us that always used to go to the away matches on the coach with the players. Yeah. And the players always used to sit at the back and we've got fantastic memories <laughs> of them belting out songs, Mickey Node especially. But there are others um, around that time that they always used to sing, especially if they won coming back. 
Um, but yeah, going back to Gateshead, um, it was like a, an itinerary. This is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to stop. This is what's going to happen. And um, yeah, Gateshead just sticks out because I think because of the enormity of the trip. Yeah. The fact it was snowing pretty much all the way <laughs> until we got to within about 20 miles of Gateshead. So um, we did, I think someone had a mobile phone at that point, or if not, we were certainly stopping every half an hour to check the game was still on. And um, yeah, we won 4-0, which was absolutely awesome. And it was at the Gateshead Athletic Stadium. So it was a huge stand yeah. with about, I'm guessing, probably 150, 200 people, of which probably half of them were from Workingham. And um, yeah, it was absolutely awesome. Great day. Um, that would be probably the one that sticks out. I mean, there are so, there are so many good memories that I've got from individual games yeah. or individual trips. Um, even when Wokingham ground shared at Elm Park, some of those were, were particularly good. Um, just for the fact that Wokingham were playing in a, a, yeah. a very big stadium. <laughs> um, that was good. But yeah, um, I would say Gateshead. So just the dimension, sort of a subpart of that. Is there, is there one you thought that that just got away from us? That one. That, that I, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be an FA Trophy semi-final, but um, sort of like the, the the one that was sort of we were so close to something, and it just. There's one. Um, obviously, the Trophy semi-final against Telford, where we lost two nil away, one nil at home. Um, I wouldn't say that got away from us because we we didn't play, as I recall, we didn't play particularly well. Um, so it wasn't a case of oh. Um, if only we'd done that yeah. if only we'd done that um, there's one that I'm thinking of and it was an FA Cup fourth qualifying round match and it was away at Carshalton and we lost 2-1 but it was such a close 2-1 <laughs> to be so close to being back this was after Cardiff yeah um, so this was this was probably in the late 80s early 90s and yeah to, to be so close to being back in the, the first round proper again that was that's one that sticks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've, you've mentioned Roy Merriweather a couple mm. of times. Um, obviously, you would, he, he was the manager of, of Wokingham Town at the time. What, what was he like to deal with? Because Mark Ashwell sort of said he were, you know, alluded to, to his sort of character as well. It's not someone I know, but what, what was he like as a manager? Um, he, he was very, very approachable. Um, I, as you said before, I seem to spend half my life down at Finch Hampstead Road. I used to go there for lunch <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah... Um, Roy's a, still a great guy. Um, he he would answer anything. I used to help out a little bit with the programme, with some of the pictures and things like that. Um, when I was sports editor, he'd often ring me and say, Andrew, you need to know this, or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's a really nice guy. Um, and, um, yeah, he did, he did well for working in town. Did there any sort of fallings out or any disagreements? Not that I can remember. <laughs> Ask him, he might remember. <laughs> I, I think sometimes you've you sort of said that it, it can be quite difficult at times knowing stuff, stuff you've been told that you're not supposed to, to print. And, mm. and now it kind of that, those two worlds blurring as well, especially as a supporter. Mm. I can imagine if there'd been kind of forums or WhatsApp groups at the time. You, it, I, I mean, I find it difficult myself. I get told things and my first instinct is to go onto our... WhatsApp group, go, ah, this is happening. No, no, just hold on. It's got to be yeah, quite difficult. World's colliding a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, but I don't. I don't think it was like that back then. Um, I don't think there was ever any occasion where I would publish something that Roy or anybody would particularly object to because 
I'd like to think that what I what I got was correct ultimately, yeah. um, and fair in the way that I reported it. Um, I remember uh, when I was taking photos. One thing that helped to to um, to get closer to the players was I always used to print off some pictures and then let them have them. Mm. Um, so they they'd always come to me if they if they wanted something or if they had something to say, which was quite good. But <laughs> no, I can't recall any any times that we we fell out. I don't. Uh, it'd be different now. Perhaps I wasn't hard enough. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing. Ultimately, the the you you were reporting on the club, and the club mm. were doing well. You know, mm. there's not often going to be things up until the point where Fitzchampstead Road kind of goes. There's not mm. really going to be mm. um, too many problems. I wouldn't expect. Did you ever have to do player ratings? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I used to give them stars. I think out of okay. five. But again, that's difficult because as a supporter, you want to. You don't want to give someone a one because you know that would they'd read it and they'd yeah. be unhappy. But I did give two certainly. Um, I probably gave a one to a referee at some point. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do hear certainly in in mm. the in the line of work that I'm in I do hear of 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 players telling reporters that well, you only gave me a two last week, or a five <laughs> I'm not talking to you and yeah. there's obviously there's always that danger but hopefully people took it in the right. Yeah, I think at the level that, that Wokingham Town and indeed other clubs were playing at at that point, I mean, it wasn't my job to to be overly critical. If someone had a bad game, chances are by, by the Tuesday night for the next game, they'd, they'd be back on form. Yeah. Um, uh, so, no, I don't think... Um, it wasn't my job to, to promote the club, but at the same time, it wasn't my job to, to be overly critical. Yeah. If, if criticism was needed, then I generally gave it. But I do it in a constructive way or in a way that perhaps wasn't as, as <laughs> obvious as <Yes>. <laughs> reading that player was not very good <laughs> you we, we mentioned previously as well you mm. you you covered quite a lot of mm. good times in the area football wise mm. and obviously there was there was Bracknell Town reached the the first round of the FA Cup and I went on that day I think I went on most of that run and that was just such an incredible day and I know you were there as mm. well Yes. What, how did that? Because you, you were involved in the Cardiff ones with with Wokingham. Yeah. Was it, where, what was was the big difference there? I mean, obviously, Brighton I think were a lot lower. Yeah, um, I remember being at the the fourth qualifying round Aylesbury. game at Aylesbury, and yeah. I remember being in the bar when it came through. And I don't think Bracknell at that point wanted to be drawn away. But no. in hindsight, it was probably a reasonably good thing because we're talking about it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah um, it was slightly different because I wasn't so emotionally attached to Bracknell yeah um, yes I was I was I was reporting uh, I wasn't necessarily going to every match um, but I think being a little bit detached probably helped me focus on sorry pardon the pun uh, <laughs> help me focus sorry that took me a second <laughs> help me focus on 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 the football um, but for that match in particular um, it was quite good because that's my only time as being a BBC radio summariser okay yeah I was sat in the stand and I cannot remember who was doing the match but um, we were uh, it's the only time I've ever done live sports radio and it was quite good um, it was good fun because <laughs> I knew a lot of the players because a lot of them were yeah. playing Sunday League at that yeah. time um, so uh, I used to go out on a Sunday and, and see met quite a few matches. So I knew um, the likes of John Smith and 
um, a few others from from the Sunday League. So I, I had a, a little bit of a um, little bit of background information I would put in now and again. Um, I probably wasn't very good at summarising, but <laughs> I think a couple of times we actually went live into um, Five Live at that point. Oh right. Um, yeah, it was it was good fun. It was really it was, good fun. I, I just remember it being one of the most incredible days, and and mm. I think I just wish I was a little older, mm. so I, I kind of really kind of had some bit. But then again, it, it was almost twenty years ago now, so so of course it, it, it it's funny how time goes, really. But that's I mean one of my regrets would be I didn't take enough photos of yeah. of of the surroundings because yeah I mean Lincoln was is a good stadium um, yeah. and. If you go back to Wokingham Town and even Bracknell, I mean, some of the grounds that they went to, like Walthamstow Avenue, mm. uh, Dulwich Hamlet, they were the big non-league grounds yeah. of the like 40s and 50s and um, the old Kingstonian ground. And they're not there anymore. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Reading fans will understand this with Elm Park, that you wish you could kind of just go back and take a few more photos. Yeah. And that's one thing that I wish. I, I was focused too much on the football in some ways. But yeah, yeah, something I quite enjoy with kind of the the almost like the ground hopping, and mm. I do quite a lot of that, especially around Berkshire now. And 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 I take a lot of photos of the grounds because mm. you never know when uh, when they're not going to be there. I mean, I, I probably took Large's Lane for granted; it mm. was like a mm. second home mm. for a large part of my life. And like you say, I didn't yeah. take enough photos. Yeah. You know, we, there are there are tons of photos, which is great. Mm. It, you know, mm. but on the pitch of the players. You know, mm. and, there's not enough in necessarily. I did have someone come and do some proper photos at one point, which is so we've got those and it, they're, mm. they're they're great great photos. But mm. you're right, you know, some of those memories. You know, there, there are only a few photos of Finch yeah. Hampstead Road, really. I but think. I've been sharing some. I, I the the last midweek match before the final league match um, at Finch Hampstead Road. I I did some atmospheric black and white shots, mm. and I still got the negatives for those. So I scanned them and put them onto the Facebook page for Wokingham Town. Um, kind of I've been putting a few on for the last year or so and um, they've been some of the most liked because they're kind of like the, the, the fans standing by the tea bar yeah. they're not focused on the football and um, I did the same for the last game the last league game against Bedford and um, so I mean I had access all areas anyway yeah. but I just wish I'd kind of gone into the changing rooms and taken a few photos yeah. there because those are things that you, you I don't think many people did um, but yeah, you just you just wish that you'd taken a few more pictures. What was your favourite part of Finchampstead Road? Just to, just to kind of to round things off nicely. Um, probably midweek matches standing behind the goal at the Finchampstead Road end. There was a certain atmosphere. Yeah. And when you get like 15, 20 people all making a bit of a noise, uh, that was really good. It was really good. <laughs> um and and so obviously you know you saw some great successes. It, 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 how did that affect you when uh, you know I know you you were the kind of sports editor you've got to cover this neutrally. How did it affect you when Finchampstead Road closed when when they left and when things started to sort the club of turn? the club the club was still going yeah um, yes yeah, so I mean with, with with Mark yeah. the club didn't go bust they no, carried on it carried on so ground sharing at Egham ground sharing at Flagwell ground sharing at Windsor um, wasn't the same. I mean, it's still the same club, but it yeah. wasn't the same. You couldn't get the same kind of homely atmosphere knowing it wasn't your ground. Um, but no, st- I, I still carried on supporting. And even even now, Wokingham Town is no longer. We've got Wokingham and Embrook. Um, still feel uh, emotion for that club. But we still have 
the memories from Finch Hampstead Road and we're sharing them. So it's still there in, in, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if anybody's listening to this and they're not aware of the Wokingham Town Facebook group, it's, a, it's kind of like a, a nostalgic a fan historical page, yeah. fan page, isn't it? Um, so Wokingham Town, just search Wokingham Town Football Club on Facebook and you'll correct, find it. Correct, correct. Um, it's not by you, is it? But no, it's, it's not. It's, it's just, just been contributing yeah. to it because they've got lots to contribute. <laughs> but no, there's, there's old players on there. There's, um, I think there's about 300 old, um, fans. Um, Roy's children, Kevin and Sharon and Karen, kind of admin it yeah um so if you've got any questions you can always ask and <laughs> but there's we've we've put some old press cuttings old photos so yeah it's a good good place to reminisce it's a nice <laughs> it's a nice little place and um, andrew we'll leave it there thank you very much for Thanks, flying all the way over from thailand to see us um we will reimburse you the fees uh at some point in the future thank when you. we all make our millions <laughs> <laughs> cheers thank, thank you thank you andrew that was our interview with former Wokingham Times sports editor Andrew Batt. I think we discussed it in the pod, but you know uh, Andrew's dad is pretty big in local football as well. I did not know that. So Andrew's dad is Neville, who is, I believe he's the referee secretary on the Bracknell Town and District Sunday League. Um, and he was also the winner of our uh, Daryl Freeland Award for um, dedication and efforts with grassroots football in our uh, box, uh, Bracknell Football Awards. Now you've reminded me, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> At the, it, was, it was in June, I think, of, the, of this year. So um, it runs in the family, really. It was good chat, chatting to Andrew about that sort of time. Um, I, I for, in various other guises, work for the same company that Andrew used to work for. Uh, he, he'd left before I started, but it was quite interesting when he came in to see me. Um, he still knew a couple of the faces that were here. So that was, that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, it's uh, quiz time. Uh, So each week we have a quiz uh, where the questions are the same and we just change the uh, subject (laughs) to the people, uh, the club that is involved in the episode. Except Uh, this week, because it's about the Wokingham Times, I've changed the questions. (laughs) I've seen, yeah. So I've just seen the questions for the first time and this time um, all the questions are related to the Wokingham Times, as you said. Uh, so far, we've had five episodes, and I believe I'm currently winning. I think it's 4-1 to yep, me. Yeah, 4-1. Uh, now, I mentioned that I worked for the Wokingham Times, and sort of technically work for the same company currently. This could be seen as a cunning plan <laughs> for me to uh, scrape my way back to, uh, to to at least make it 4-2, a consolation. Um, do you have the pens, Rob? I do. Let's have a go. So, the qu- first question... Um, now, if you want to play along at home, please do. Uh, when was the Wokingham Times founded? Wow. I think I know this. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to be a little bit stabbing in the dark this week. So, yeah. Okay. Question two. And this is where I could certainly be accused of... Uh, uh, asking questions that were specifically in my favour. Uh, what was the primary brand colour of the ah. newspaper? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this might one. This if you've got, go down to you. if you know this, I will eat your hat that is perched on your head. I don't. But I <laughs> and um, what year did the Wokingham Times close? Oh, no idea again, <laughs> but. Um, I might have to go upstairs for that one. Okay. Literally. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's have a little pause for the results. 
And we're back with the answers. Uh, Rob, we think it might be a little bit of a whitewash here <laughs> yeah. uh, in one way. I must admit, I didn't know the exact... I knew one of the exact answers, but I didn't know all of them. So, okay. question one. Uh, if, and the, we only wanted the years, not any specific date. So, uh, as per usual. Um, the first question was, when was the Wokingham Times founded? What did you go for? I went for 1890. Okay, I went for 1905. And the correct answer was 1903. So, that's a point in my direction. I believe so. As I mentioned, I might already know <laughs> the answer to this one. Yeah. Uh, what was the primary brand colour of the newspaper? I'd never seen it before, so I went for it with yellow. Okay, the answer was lilac. Okay. <laughs> so two, two out of two out of three for me. And what year did the Wokingham Times close? Um, again, I wasn't sure, but I guessed it. Twenty ten. Uh, I went for twenty fifteen. The answer was twenty fourteen. Oh three dear, nil. Rob, that is. Uh, that's, that's a shameful effort from yourself. Slide. Yeah. We're, up to, we're up to 4-2, so there's still time for me to claw it back. I suspect normal service will be resumed next week. Okay. Um, that's all for week six, Rob. Have you learned a lot? I have learned a lot, yeah. It was very interesting hearing about the uh, process around the uh, advertising of the or the promotion of the local game from a press point of view. Yeah, uh, it's a, it was a good interview. Obviously, obviously, um, Andrew wasn't involved specifically with a club, but he was. Yes. he was around a lot of clubs, which was which was which was obviously great. Um, so, cool. Over right. to you, Rob. In the next few weeks, you'll be hearing uh, from former Farnborough and Bracknell Town Manager Alan Taylor, social media phenomenon Caversham United, Barks and Bucks FA CEO Liz Verrill, and young Finnish international Amy Claypole. Really looking forward to all of those. Um, you can also go back and listen to all the previous podcasts by searching for Berkshire Football Stories in your favourite podcast app. And please leave us a little rating and a review. Um, the more of those we get, the higher up the charts and stuff we go, um, particularly on Apple Podcasts, which is where the majority of people listen. So uh, don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at FI Berkshire, Facebook by searching Football in Berkshire. And of course, you can visit the website www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. Uh, of course, thank you to Ellis Woods and Flair Media for sponsoring the podcast. Bye. Bye.